Can I, can I tell you something? One of the greatest things that can happen, or one of the worst things, rather, that can happen to a Christian is familiarity. You go to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Place You go to that place hearing to a rut because things aren't happening the way you have perceived or, per, or, or decided that's the way they're supposed to. So now it becomes an everything, always, any day, all the time, mundane ritual from birth to death. Okay, praise the Lord, I'm living for God. Instead of making a decision, can I tell you something? A long time ago, I made a decision to marry this little girl up here. Thank God she wanted to show up and let me do it. But you know, when I made that decision, everything I had was or ever hoped to be became part of that decision. Why is it that we lived as full sinners, but only half Christian? Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. I'm going to jump quickly into our message this morning. If you have your Bibles, open them to Mark chapter 5. I purposely did not put this on the screen because I wanted you to follow on in Scripture. Mark chapter 5. <clears throat> How many have ever seen that poster? It's been around for years and years and years. It's a picture of this big long rope, and there's a cat hanging on to the end of it. Anybody ever seen that picture? The caption reads, Tie a knot, a knot and hang on. Friday is coming. How many Christians have just tied a knot? Matter of fact, if you look a little closer to that rope, I think you'll find a lot of knots. Because we just keep hanging on. Am I speaking to anybody but me this morning? I read a story one time many, many years ago about a a man, and I don't know that it was a true story or not, but it was a story that bears repeating. This man fell over a cliff, and, and his certain death was there, except that he found this long root system of a tree that seemed to be hanging out of the side, and he grabbed a hold of the roots of this tree, and he's, he's knowing he's going to fall to his certain death, and he starts screaming out, Is there anyone up there? Is there anyone up there? silence and he's hanging on and he's just hanging on and he starts screaming out anybody up there can anybody hear me and all of a sudden he had this novel idea i'm a christian maybe i should pray that's a novel thought so he starts praying god you know the situation i'm in i am just hanging on God, you can help. And all of a sudden he hears this still small voice who says, my son, let go and fall into my arms. You'd think he'd be shouting amen, but he started shouting, is there anybody else up there? You see, we, we, we tend to just tie another knot. We just tend to tie another knot. Am I making any sense? 
You see, I, I think tying a knot and hanging on is one of the Christians' biggest problems. Oh, folks, don't get me wrong. Not that hanging on is bad, but I think I would be true, and I believe it would be fair to say that too many of us are hanging on to the wrong things. We're trying to make this become that, or that become the other thing. When God says, where am I? I have decided. Can, can I tell you something? It's polite to ask. I was going to tell you anyway, but it's still it's polite to ask. Can I tell you something? That means reciprocation. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. There's some of you all been hanging on to a career that's taken you nowhere. Why don't you believe God? Now, I'm not telling you to quit your job. What I'm telling you to do is quit working for your job and start working for God. Say, God, you, there's a whole lot more to life than what I'm going through here, God, and I, I don't mind going through it as long as there's something at the other end. I started a series a few weeks ago, and last week we had Father's Day, so we had, took a break in the series, and how many enjoyed that incredible sermon that, that Pastor Jewel brought? It was just a beautiful, beautiful sermon. But I started a series that God is working out what He is working in. Sometimes we wonder, God, are you still there? God, do you remember my address? I haven't moved. God, I, I'm waiting for you to show up. And, and like that guy that's hanging over the side of the cliff, God shows up and starts challenging you to do something that you really aren't feeling. I think that's the, day, that's the catch word today. I ain't feeling that. And God says, well, where do you, you don't walk by feelings, you walk by faith. It's in the Bible. Too many of us hang on to the wrong things, and that's the reason that we never get beyond where we currently are. And when we get to the proverbial end of our ropes, you know what happens? We just tie another knot. And this is literally what we're doing. We're giving up the fight. This is just where it's, what it is. This is just where we are. It's just my lot in life. What happened to the aspect of, of trying one more time? What happened to the aspect of letting go and letting God, stepping out in faith? that we can allow God to step in in, flat, in fact? You see, I want to see victory down on the ground while I'm still walking around. Not just in the sweet by and by when I die. We got to this Christian life. You say, well, how do I live it if I can't figure it out? What's the old song? Put one foot in front of the other soon you'll be walking across the floor <laughs> folks only 26 weeks <laughs> put one foot in front of the other soon you'll be walking out the door okay Some of y'all don't even know who Fred Astaire is, so you, it, you, you wouldn't even, it wouldn't even, it wouldn't even work. Mark chapter 5, let's look at the 21st verse. Let's see here, I'm looking at 
No, that's four. Twenty. Okay. And when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came. One of the rulers of the synagogue came. Not just anybody, one of the rulers. Jairus was his name. And when he saw him, he fell down at his feet. Now, folks, these are the same people or the same group that very shortly are going to be conspiring to crucify him. Jairus wasn't a part of that group, but he's of the same people. Begged him earnestly, saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Something happening in this boy's life. See, the Pharisees didn't believe that Jesus had any of this ability, that he was who he said he was, that he could do what he said. But this fellow is not saying the same stuff. Something's happened in Jairus' life. Look what it says. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed and thronged behind him. Transition to a new picture. Same passage, but now there's somebody else that is at that point of tying a knot and hanging on. A certain woman had a flow of blood 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. You ever suffered something from the doctor? You go there and all they do is give you a little band-aid in the form of a pill? Sometimes, yes, and a big bill. Sometimes they have no intention necessary or, or ability to bring a healing or to help you to be, so they just basically tie another knot. Suffered many things at the hand of the physicians. She has spent all that she had. Say that with me. All that she had. Interesting, Pastor Ray was receiving the tithe and offerings. It's really a misnomer. We don't really receive, we return because they belong to God. She gave all she had. God tells us to give him all we have, which is beginning with ourselves. Can somebody say amen? She had spent all that she had and had only gotten worse. And when she heard about Jesus, do you think Jairus might have heard about Jesus? This woman heard. Uh, folks, I, I got people all the time. I, I was at, ho at Home Depot. I'm changing my second address to Home Depot right now. I've been there so much. I was at Home Depot picking up some stuff for the... Uh, the um, building project that we're doing here and I'm walking in there and they know me by name so I'm talking to Dylan I'm talking to Tiffany I'm talking to uh, Theus I'm talking to Paul I'm talking you want me to give you all their names I probably know just about all of them and I'm talking to them and they they actually as I'm walking in uh, because I've been talking to them about Jesus they don't call me Mr. Masters anymore matter of fact I walked in there hey Pastor Tim how you doing And I'm having a little discussion with one of the young men behind the thing. He said, he said uh, uh, Pastor, I'm not religious. I said, well, that's good because I'm not either. And he kind of looked at me strange. And I started telling him about the relationship that I have with Jesus. And he looked at me even stranger. Now, can I tell you something? I didn't pray with him right there. I didn't ask him to accept Jesus. I didn't do anything. But you know what he was doing? He was hearing about Jesus. And out of this preacher's mouth, he heard the words, Jesus is the only hope for your life. See, right there in front of God and everybody at Home Depot, I'm telling people about Jesus. He said, well, Pastor, what were the other people doing? Listening. 
Well, Pastor, do you try to be quiet? Have you known me to be quiet? I have a dear friend of mine, Jim Dalton. I don't know if any of y'all know Dalton. He's a pastor here in town, and him and I get to church, and we both have these loud voices. Oh, that's church. I call it church. We're in a restaurant, but we're having church. And so I'm in there, and, and can I tell you something? There ain't a single soul in that restaurant ain't be hearing about Jesus because we be talking. Now, I know that ain't good English, folks, but it is good preaching. She had heard about Jesus. And then she kind of snuck up behind him in the crowd. You know, if you read about Jairus, he came at nighttime. Somebody else came at nighttime. We'll talk about him in just a little while. For she said, listen to this, she said, if, if I can just touch his clothes... I'll be made well. Jairus said, if you will just come and touch. See, there's something about touching Jesus. There's something about reaching out. But I want to tell you something about all of these people we're about to talk about. They all came to a place of desperation before they could begin to produce aspiration. Look at me, please, please. With all your heart, look at me. Too many are not desperate enough for Jesus. We're still okay with what we're hanging on to. We're okay. Well, you know, it's, it's not as bad as that over there. It's not. I mean, it could be better, but hey, I'm just... Hanging on? Can I get chapter and verse out of that, please? Where's God say he wants you just to get by? I'm thinking my Bible, I mean, it might be in my Bible. Is, is Bob, is it in yours, Dale? Is it to have life and that more an abundant life? A prosperous life. I'm not talking about having every dime. I'm not talking about pie in the sky or, or you know, all that kind. Folks, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about more than just getting by. And I'm not talking about that you have an abundance of money. But I'm talking about the fact that, well, God, here I am, poor, pitiful me. Am I making any sense so far? Let's, let's continue in God's Word. If I can just touch His clothes, verse 28, I'll be made whole. And then look what happened. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Jesus immediately, knowing in Himself that power had gone out of Him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Now I love when you go into the original language, that word who is not an ambiguous term because the King James and some of the other translations was says, he turned to see her who touched him. Can I tell you something? When you're desperate, Jesus knows exactly you're touching. Jesus knows exactly what you feel like. And he's saying, Will you just let go and fall into my arms? Ladies and gentlemen, some of us have been hanging on. And God wants you to let go and say, God, I know you got more for me. Once again, I'm not talking about the tangible folks. I'm just talking about when's the stinking last time you woke up with a smile on your face thinking, oh, praise the Lord, or not a frown on your face oh, another day. Some of us go to work. I hate this job. I hate this place. Quit. Well, Pastor, I need to get another job. I didn't say quit the job. Quit the person you're working for. Can I tell, if I go to work for Jesus, you know, it's always going to be a good day. 
It's a, I mean, if I walk in there and people are looking at me and they're snarling. You say, well, Pastor, why would they do that? They're just looking at you like you've been looking at them. You know, it's tough to, it's tough to show Jesus when you look like you've been baptized in lemon juice. Folks, I tell people, do you know it's a medical fact that it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile? Try it. Try it. Go, go ahead. Go, go, go like this. See how much work that is? Now do this. Look at somebody just do that. Can I tell you, some of y'all have been working way too hard. I tell people all the time, and say, folks, when you're talking about heaven, put a smile on your face. You're talking about Jesus, put a smile on your face. You talk about hell, your normal face is fine. But if you're talking about God. Some of you will get that when you leave here today. Look, look what he says here. Immediately, he looked to see her. But his disciples said, Lord, you see the multitude? And you say, where is she that touched me? Okay, there's a point. It don't matter what all is going wrong in your world. He knows you. He knows you personally, intimately. But look what happens. He looked around Here's that passage, 32, to see her who had done this. He looked around to see her. But the woman, fearing, what's everybody going to think if they know I've been touched by Jesus? Oh, you're one of those. I'm standing at that counter at Home Depot. And they're looking at me, and they can already tell there's somebody different at this table. Well, I'm not a religious person. Praise the Lord, I'm not either. And they just... You see, tying a knot and hanging on tends to turn into religion. Going through the motions. Look what Jesus said. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, a servant from the ruler of the synagogue's house came and said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter is dead. Part one of this series, I talked about the problem with yesterday. And I'm going to touch on it again. But there's a lot of us, the reason we're just hanging on, everything you've believed in is dead. Everything you've believed for is dead. You've tried and tried and tried. Number one in your notes, it's on the screen. I'm just going to go quickly through this. Look what it says. Step up. Step out and watch God step in. But you see, it's that order, folks. Until you step up to the plate and step out of where you've been, God can't do anything. Oh, it's not that he doesn't want to, but can I tell you something? We like hanging on after a while. We like hanging on. So many Christians never step into God's promises. For that matter, many never step out of infancy in Christ because they're not sure that God will do what they heard He's done. Now, don't raise your hand, but are you like that? 
See, Jairus heard. The woman with the issue heard. They didn't have any personal experience with Jesus. They weren't church folks. Can I, can I tell you something? One of the greatest things that can happen, or one of the worst things, rather, that can happen to a Christian is familiarity. You go to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and nothing changes. You go to this place, you go to that place, hearing the greatest revival, the next conference, the next worship session, the next this, the next that, fill in the blank. But you fall all of a sudden into a rut because things aren't happening the way you have perceived or, per, or, or decided. So now it becomes an everything always in. Instead of making a decision. Can I tell you something? A long time ago, I made a decision to marry this little girl up here. Thank God she wanted to show up and let me do it. But you know, when I made that decision, everything I had was or ever hoped to be became part of that decision. Why is it that we lived as full sinners but only half Christian? And I don't mean to make that sound bad. But I do mean to make it sound purposeful. I didn't walk up to the altar and when I said I do, and she did, now it's done. That's an everyday part of my life. Now, folks, I don't always do it right. Don't say anything. (laughs) I don't always do it right. But can I tell you, I wake up every single day with the purpose of my heart to be the best thing that ever happened to this little girl. Can I tell you something? That's the way we should wake up with Jesus. Lord, today is the day that you have made. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to step up. And I'm going to step out. That God can step in. Am I making any sense? So let me ask you, how do you change the humdrum, the bored, the weary? Let me ask you a few simple questions. I put them on the screen. When's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? Can I tell you, I, (laughs) that's always polite. I try to be polite to ask you. Okay, can can I tell you, Dan? Awesome, come on. He let me tell him, okay. Can I tell you? These guys aren't even. Can I tell you all over here? Okay, I'll talk to you then. Can, can I tell you something? I didn't lead those folks at Home Depot to the Lord this time. But I might. Not next time. But you know when I walked that place? Or when I walked out of that place? I walked in like this. And, okay, I got to get some stuff. And I got stuff. And I'm walking down that place with stuff. But can I tell you something? When I walked out of that place, I walked out like this. I was on a cloud. You know why? I told somebody about hope. I told somebody about life. I told, well, Pastor, you're cut out of a different branch. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. I think we got the same branch. It's called that new creature branch. If anyone is in Christ, he is a... Okay, some of y'all are going to get this. If anyone is in Christ, he is a... That means we hooked up to a new branch. And you know what Jesus said? He said, if I am the vine and you are the branch, if you stay connected in me, you're going to produce life. When was the last time you told somebody about Jesus? Well, I can't tell people about Jesus in my job. I did. Even when I was working a secular job, I told them all the time about Jesus. You can't do that. Folks, yes, you have to use something that's not very common. Common sense. There's a time and a place. 
When I was telling the young man about the Lord across the counter, he said, Pastor Tim, I'm really at work and I can't really talk about it. I said, you're right. Please forgive me. It's okay. Can I tell you something about seed? Once it's planted, God will bring somebody to bring some watering. God will bring somebody to do some pruning. But God said, it's all about me to bring the increase. My job's to convince, not convict. And you know what? When I walk in there, they're watching my life. When's the last time you told somebody? You say, well, pastor, I, I told somebody, but then what do I do? The next statement, look at this. When is the last time you stood up for what was right? Even against popular opinion. Oh, that will definitely shake some shutter buds. It, it'll, it'll get people's attention. Oh, man, he's, he's not just going with the flow. You ever went fishing? Any of y'all ever went fishing? I've used this example before. You know the fish you don't want to go catching are the ones going with the flow. They're usually dead. You want to go catching the ones that are flowing up against stream, going against the current. When's the last time you stood up for what was right? Even against popular opinion. Let, let me ask you just one more question. When was the last time it's going to be there. You didn't give in to the popular vote. Well, who are you voting for? Who are you voting for? I don't give a flip who they're voting for. Peer pressure. What other people are doing. Okay, folks, listen to me. It's amazing how quick feelings can change and how you can change the way you feel or just a simple rush that you will get when you stand against the odds. And when you got Jesus in you, what odds are there that you're going to overcome? Can somebody say amen? You take a few risks. You stand out. It's a whole lot better than being stuck in a rut. You know what a rut is? It's just a grave with both ends kicked out. And if we're stuck in a rut, folks, we're just about that close to not have any purpose in life. Jairus was about to understand what it meant to go against the flow. He was a prominent man in the synagogue, and as was the M.O. with this type of man, he wasn't willing to take any risk. He wasn't willing to do anything that everyone else didn't say was okay to do until he came to the end of his rope. And he said, I'm tired of just hanging on. I'm tired of just hanging on. Are you there? You got no place left to turn? Are you there? I told you about a third person I was going to refer to. I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to tell you about it. It was a guy named Nicodemus, another prominent guy in the synagogue. The Bible says he came to Jesus secretly, much like Jairus. In the dark of the night, you think he might have been afraid of popular vote, peer pressure? You think it might just been simply he was afraid that what he'd heard wasn't real? There will come a time in everyone's life when they're going to have to make a decision. Jesus or the world? I have decided to follow Jesus. There's going to come a time, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hear me. He is not going to let private you and I have to stop being concerned about what everyone else thinks and it'll cause you to come to a place of desperation if you ever want Jesus to be there 
That's what Jairus did. He had to get to the end of his rope before he had let go and let God. Jairus had to take a chance. He had to dare to believe what he had heard was true. And then something happened in his heart. Something broke. And he said, I don't care. Tradition broke. Religion broke. Logic broke. I don't care. There is nothing else more important in my life than Jesus. This was a picture of a man that reached out and touched Jesus, and Jesus reached back back and said, welcome in. Welcome in. You see, folks, to overcome, you and I have to come to a point of coming over. I, I say that a lot, folks. And people say, well, it's just a play on words. Is it really? Do you think maybe we don't overcome and we just hang on because we truly haven't come over? I go back to this beautiful woman that I'm married to. Folks, hook, line, and sinker. I'm in. Well, yeah, preacher, and she reels you in too, doesn't she? I hope she does every moment of every day. Who do you think really got the catch? Some of you wives miss a great place to say amen right there. Come on. overcome we got to come over to that point to where we're willing to make a risk second timothy a very very prominent portion of scripture look i have it on here god did not give it us a spirit of timidity many of your translations will say fear that word timidity literally comes from the word that we get coward from afraid to do. God didn't give you that spirit. Of, who do you think gave it to you? Your peers? Your job force? The people you have? Well, you can't act like that around here. Why? You can't do that. Why? I think sometimes we grow up that little, that little two-year-old stage, and we need to get back into it. You know, remember that stage where the kid's always at? Why? Why? Some of the moms are out here saying, uh-uh, I don't want that stage anymore. Why? Can I? <laughs> I'm still there. I'm always asking why. <laughs> when people tell me they can't do something, why? Well, you know what? Why? Yeah, but that, why? Can I tell you something? You know when I read God's Word, I don't find can't anywhere attached to Christians. If I got the Lord's strength, do you know there ain't much that I know of? Matter of fact, there's nothing I know of that can stop the Lord. Let me look at this. God didn't give the spirit of fear, timidity, cowardice. But look at this, spirit of power. You know that word power? Dunamis. The entire power of God. Yes, it's where we get the word dynamite from. He gave you the spirit of power. Can I tell you, when you stand up, every devil in hell falls down. All you got to do is stand up. But the spirit of power, love, no, that's not phileo. That's not eros. It's not storge. There's four types of love out of that word that we use love in the Bible. This is agape. But of love. You say, Pastor, you just you don't understand the situation. The word love means you can love no matter the situation. Because it's God's love. Anybody look in the mirror as of late and think, God loved me? And then that word self-discipline. Self-discipline. But let me break it down for you a little bit. It means certainty. It means confidence. It means the ability to control emotions and mental outbreaks. Well, you know, the doctor said, remember this woman here? 
abused by the doctors, taken advantage of by the doctors. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in there. Quickly, we got to come to a place of desperation. We got to come to a place. If you want to get to where God wants you, if you want to just stop hanging on, you got to get to a place to where nothing else matters. Why? There will always come a time in life when we will have to come out of our Christian closet and begin to tell everybody, except for the grace and the goodness of God, I have no hope. There was a, a book that I was reading many years ago, and it was a book by a man named C.K. Chesterton, a very, very prominent uh, writer of, 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 golly, long, long time ago. And, and I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. This, this, this is good. This is worth the whole price of admission. You think if you do nothing, everything stays okay. Anybody ever did that? My neighbor's building his deck. You know one of the reasons he's building a deck? Because the old deck was just but ugly. <laughs> you ought to seen my deck. Folks, that's not a bad thing because he thought it was. It was doable. It worked. But you know what happened? He started thinking of something new. And I'm watching this whole thing come together, and it is looking nice. We built our deck a few years ago, and my wife and I, we just looked at, just build a deck. He's putting a touch of finesse. He's got designs, and he's got this. Can I tell you something? He saw something, and he said, I'm not leaving what was. I'm changing it. Amen. And it's coming together beautifully. If you leave something just to what, you know what's going to happen? Same thing happened with my deck, his deck. Things start rotting. Things start just kind of atrophying. And, and, and so... If you think you leave something alone, it should be okay. No, the Bible tells you you should leave it alone. It will die. The, 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 the story that I'm reading here in C.K. Chesterton's book, he says, you know, many of us think if we just leave things alone, they'd stay the way they are, but they do not. If you leave a thing alone, it is subject to a torrent of change. If you leave a white post alone, you know what you're going to have very shortly? A black post. Wind and environment. You want that post to stay white, you know what you're going to have to do? It's true with inanimate things. is quite special and terribly true with animate things, human things, people. If you want a good old church, you have to work on a good new church. you got to take a risk. you got to take a chance. We're doing this build-out. And I've had a couple folks, well, I don't believe we need that. Praise the Lord. Thank you. I believe what God is doing says, yes, we need to do something. You see, if you, wanna, if you want the good old days, you've got to risk the good new days. The woman with the issue of blood said, I can't do this anymore. I've got to move on. I've got to do something more than what's already been done. Folks, it is said that most, even Christians, wait until the last minute. Wait until they're ready to give up before they ever decide to reach up. In Isaiah chapter 40, the Bible has one of our favorite verses, they that wait upon the Lord. Verse 31. I did put it on the screen. I want you to look it up. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They that wait, that word wait means to expect. expect. I 
Isaiah 32 or 33, 2 says that this says another part. Unto us, O Lord, be merciful, for we have waited for you. Be our strength each day and our salvation in the time of trouble. There's a couple things that happened in Isaiah 40. First thing they did is they soared upwards towards God. They said, I can't do this anymore. I got, I got to expect that God's going to do what I heard he would do. The second thing is they have to press forward towards heaven. They got to step out of what was to step into what yet can be because God is waiting for them and he will step up to the moment. We need to be a people desperate of things for God and not desperate because our lives are lacking God. God will allow each of us to come to a place of desperation. And I want you to hear this. Before, before, God will be able to do what he wants to do. You see, he can't do what he wants to do without us. Yesterday's problem, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It just won't go away. It just won't go away. Now, I know in your notes I left the word won't out. It was a typo, folks. So I put it there in yellow so you can add it to your notes. It won't go away. You have to deal with it. And too many of us are just hanging on. Well, you know, it's just, it's there. I can see it over my shoulder. And because of yesterday, we stopped doing what we used to do. Because that thing didn't work out. Well, it didn't work out then. Why is it going to work out now? You know what God told the church at Ephesus? We talked about this in the book of Revelation on Wednesday nights. You know what he told the church of Ephesus? Return. Return to your first love. Return to that first commitment you made. Return to that decision to follow Jesus. A lot of times marriages don't work out because we left that decision, that commitment, that dedication. A lot of times jobs turn sour because the same excitement that took you there is no longer keeping you there. And I could fill in the blank with how many other things. And it's all because we have the wrong ingredient in the marriage, in the relationship, in the job. No place in my Bible does it say we're supposed to work for the world. We're supposed to work for Him. Matter of fact, if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be the best employee that your company has. If you're a Christian, you're supposed to be the best boss that anybody could ever work for. If you're a Christian, why? They're supposed to see Him in us. Return to that first decision. Return. You know what he told Jairus? Only believe. I didn't take you down to the end of the passage. But when that man came to Jairus and, and, and said, there's no reason to bother the master anymore. You know, uh, uh, your daughter's dead. Jesus didn't flip out. Jesus didn't say, oh, calm down, calm down. No, he turned to Jairus and he said, only believe. Only believe. You know what, what, what Jesus told the woman with the issue of blood? He turned around to see her, and he just said, who touched me? You know what, he, you know what he's doing here with, with Jairus? Only believe he's saying, Jairus, make a commitment. I'm either who you say I was, you heard I was, or I'm not. What are you going to believe? That's all he's telling Jairus. 
Make a commitment. You know what he's telling the woman with the issue of blood? It's time to confess who I am. That's why he turned to see her. It wasn't going to be a, 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 a drive-by healing. Oh, we come to church. God, God, folks, I say this with, with all love. I can't tell you how many people come to church just because they need something. And if they get it, they don't come back. And if they don't get it, they don't come back. He told the woman, okay, who did I just heal? Now, he knew who he was, but he said, what are you going to say about it? Nicodemus in the middle of the night. This guy, he said, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't know what I'm talking about? He said, Nicodemus, it's time to make a decision. As the worship team comes, just quickly. Jesus heals people physically, emotionally, socially, financially, in every capacity. You know why he does that? Not just to put a mark on his six gun and said, I healed another one, Father. You know why he heals us? To put us back into the battle. To put us back into the battle. and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harden. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.